Welcome to Connect with Success with Dr. Lynette Scatiswatilla, where we help connect you with knowledge. Our mission is to lead you to a new and exciting way of understanding, responding to, and helping all those with autism. We hope to expand your thinking about how to best serve these amazing people and how to support you in your daily struggles and celebrations. Welcome, everyone, to the inaugural episode of Connect with Success, a podcast built around the success approach and the person who coined it, Dr. Lynette Scottese-Wattilla. In today's episode, Lynette is going to discuss a model for intervention she's developed for individuals with autism called the success approach. My name is Dr. Richard Smith, and I'll be here to help facilitate our discussion about the pieces and parts of the success approach each episode. More about us later, one of our goals each episode is to help connect you with some of the terms you might hear in the world of autism. Lynette, what is our term for this episode? Today's term is transdisciplinary. Transdisciplinary is a word that we say when we talk about the team that is serving a person with autism. And the team which is usually comprised of the parent and other professionals like teachers or therapists, doctors, dietitians, et cetera, all work together in transdisciplinary care. And it's not just explaining what we're doing with the child or the adult. We're actually cross-training and role-releasing to those other team members so they too can uphold whatever it is that we, as a single team member, feel that the child needs holistically. So why are we doing this podcast? You know, as a parent of a child with autism, I recognize that feeling of despair that we felt while trying to seek help for our children. Um, We're looking for that beacon of hope that can be shared with others who might be feeling the same way. And so to garner some tools that can help us on our journey to wade the waters, we have our captain with us here today, Dr. Lynette Scottiswatilla, because she chose autism and she comes from that experience and that background. Lynette, help us out. Uh, Why are you here? Why, Why do we want to connect with autism? Well, I think I'm here because I really have a very important alternative. I have a very potent alternative um, that allows parents to come away from despair that you're talking about, Rich, and come to a place of confidence and understanding. And because my life's work has been dedicated to autism, I've come to a, a point of discovery. I've discovered some very important tools that keep us going forward in our journey very successfully. And I'm excited to be presenting it in a very unique way because it's a very unique model and people don't know it. It's very different from what's out there. And this podcast will help detail those differences. And so maybe we don't get all the answers that we're looking for because it's going to be impossible as we go through each episode to to, to hit everything. But you're going to provide us with a great compass in order to guide us in that way, right? Yes. And we want everyone to come with us, come with us on this journey. Let's co-discover and let's keep finding new ways and of reinventing uh, success for our child. We'd like to begin this episode by giving you a little bit about who we are as your hosts. Lynette, let's start with you. Tell us a little bit about yourself and how you found your professional path. Well, um, I come from a very large Italian family, and I am the last of eight children. Um, And because of the loving way that our families uh, work together and were supported by our parents to 
to grow into adulthood, um, I was always interested in thinking ahead and deciding what I wanted to do with my life, even from a very young age. So when I was in seventh grade, I was doing some volunteering for um, a local program that helped children with special needs that happened to be sponsored by the Cleveland Catholic Diocese. And um, in my role of a little junior camp counselor, I met some individuals with autism. And one of them, um, whose name is Katie, um, struck me in a way that I've never been struck before. She absolutely grabbed my heart. Um, and Katie had autism, which at the time I probably couldn't even spell back in sixth or seventh grade, um, but she was compelling. And she was compelling to me because she wore her nervous system on her sleeve. And that looked like things like running around and galloping and some people might say fleeing. Um, and she was very free spirited. Um, and I was compelled to try to help her, which the other camp members were very happy about because they saw her as challenging or difficult. Um, and so I worked very hard to understand Katie and to reach her. And as I did, I realized that adults have uh, the capacity to influence children in a positive way and kind of help her channel her energy into a, applying herself and enjoying the camp as opposed to just running and maybe not engaging so much socially or meaningfully with others. Um, and so I started talking to my family, this big loving Italian family about my experiences. And uh, one of those people was my sister-in-law, Lori Scatis. Um, and Lori was a nurse and Lori knew not a, a lot about development and a lot about children. And um, she asked me what I thought I wanted to do with my life or my, my future. And, and I said, well, I'll probably be a physical therapist because I really like moving and I like the body and I like anatomy. And I really have always kind of thought that would be nice to help people. And then she told me about occupational therapy and how the emphasis of what we call OT is about function. And I couldn't help but think of Katie and how um, much easier she was able to function by the way that I was able to help her ground herself and, and come in contact with her world. So long story short, I started exploring um, occupational therapy way back in the seventh grade, found a three page little trifold uh, brochure on it, and um, fell in love with the idea of helping people to function to their best possible capacity. Fast forward 30, 40 years, and I find myself now um, helping children and adults with autism and, and even those without autism who struggle with other diagnoses um, to be the best version of themselves by helping them function. That's amazing. And all this while raising a family um, and, you know, you're proud Euclidians, right? <laughs> yeah. Proud Euclidians, uh, proud mom, proud wife. Um, and I think part of that experience of being a mother um, and parenting along with my amazing husband, John, who's an amazing co-parent, co-partner in that process, um, has helped me see what some people would call normal development rich. And um, I always have a hard time with the word normal because I always say whatever that is. Um, so I'm, I'm much more comfortable with the word typical. But in raising for very neurotypical um, children, three boys and, and one girl, um, I was able to see how firsthand development evolves. It's evolutionary. It evolves. And therefore, it's kind of linear, and yet it's not an exact science. And so when I started as an occupational therapist, learning how people with special needs 
sort of deviate, if you will, or, or are outside of that kind of linear streamline, it, it comforted me that I had a target to bring them to. And so by giving them a solid foundation, giving them more skills, they align with that path that we might consider normalcy or typical development quite easier than I think um, most people give the process credit for. Um, and so that's where the therapies that we do help to align people relatively quickly, depending on the approach you use, um, with that normal trajectory. And that is very helpful to families, to moms and dads who are worried or feeling almost despair or hopelessness that their child may never, quote unquote, evolve to a certain outcome that they or uh, society might have in mind for that child. That's all great stuff. They, um, and it's just, it's amazing to see the the journey that you come from and how that all started for you and, and how it's become a passion for you in, in the way that you work with others. That's just awesome. Thanks for sharing that today. Mm-hmm. So Rich, what brings you to our podcast today and to this process of helping people to understand the success approach? Yeah. So thank you for asking that too. Um, I come from a background of, uh, loving people. And I, and I, my earliest memories of working with people, um, it's it, that passion for watching learning happen. I can go back to the second grade. And I remember sister Phyllis Ann, who's over at the shrine in Euclid now had asked me if I would help one of the students, uh, with math. And so they were learning how to add, and he was really having a struggle memorizing his math facts. And so I created this little puzzle for him, of a big mouth with the, uh, you know, a big box with a mouth on it. And then we were putting together their cookies of math facts. So that would be the math fact three plus five. And on the other side of the cookie, it would be eight. And you have to find the puzzle and match it up and then put it into the mouth. So we can move on to the next math fact. And that's my earliest memory of, of hitting education and just being someone who really loved to watch people learn. And so carrying that with me throughout, I always thought my career that I'd either be a priest or I'd be a teacher. And I had one <laughs> of my one of my favorite uh, priests ever growing up, Father Richard Rash, um, who's now in Florida, um, said, why not both? So for a long time, I considered you know, what that might look like for me in my path. But eventually in college, I settled on education, uh, teaching, because I really wanted to focus in on that the idea of learning. But it, took, it was a long route to get to formal education where I'm at now. I decided to start out with um, going into professional development. I did that for a good number of years, both in the private and in the um, government sectors. And I did that for Cuyahoga County for about 10 years before I decided to move into a formal classroom. I started teaching PSR at our parish and uh, really, really thought maybe back in the classroom is where I should be. And so I wound up getting a, a job there at the parish school and um, you know, taught seventh and eighth grade. And actually that's where our paths crossed as well. Yes. Well, actually before that, right? Because we met when Madison, who's my oldest, um, was diagnosed, well, not diagnosed, she showed signs of autism, right? Mm -hmm. And we, yeah. we were having trouble getting her diagnosed because um, they considered her at the time high functioning, right? She couldn't possibly mm -hmm. have it because she's making these grades. Uh, but we saw a need for her to, to be filled sensorily. And uh, that's where we kind of crossed paths at that, at that moment, uh, thankfully, because mm -hmm. you know, her preschool <laughs> teacher, Mrs. Ralph, uh, referred us to you. So you know, we, uh, we start to get to know each other that way. And then, of course, I started teaching at the school, and I had the wonderful Maria for 7th and 8th grade, uh, mm -hmm. your youngest. And uh, 
man, we really have a path that crosses in like a trifecta kind of way, don't we? Like, uh, yeah, you've had my daughter, I've had your daughter. And then, of <laughs> course, um, you know, we met as I come to you with this capstone for this amazing approach, the success approach, and to try and get that online. So I come from an educational perspective, um, and, and that's how I kind of look at the lens of life is how are people learning and how can we better equip them for pulling the data around them to make sense of it. And that's what I think I love the most about working with you and your wonderful staff at ITC is um, just watching people learn and make sense of the world around them. It's not about them taking on the world and trying to make sense of it. It's about the world meeting their needs and how to, um, you know, how to navigate it. You know, how, how, how can we take what's happening in the world and make it make sense for them so that they can use it to the best of their advantage? We often say in the success approach that it's all about sense-making. So I'm not surprised to hear you come away with that as you're reflecting on your experience with your own family and autism, reflecting on your capstone. We'll talk a lot about that, Dr. Smith, how you <laughs> chose to look at the success approach um, and do some amazing things to help it become accessible using technology, being the educator that you are. Um, and knowing that whether you're teaching your own students in your job every day or raising your family. Um, it's all about sense making. Mm -hmm. And that's what I hope people will come to understand. When it comes to autism, people need to understand that the way sense making happens is different for them than it might be for others without autism. Right. And then this whole cookie cutter approach and um, to anything in life, really, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense for anyone. I mean, we all mm -hmm. come from different walks of life. And I think uh, that's the one thing that we both share mutually is we have that understanding of it doesn't make the sense for everyone the same way. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and, and we're in a world now where it's kind of everyone wants them to be the same way. And it just they're just missing the I, I feel they're missing the boat a little bit on the possibilities of including so many other people in decision making. Um, yep. That can be effective. Agreed. Yeah. So what do you like to do for fun? What do I like to do for fun? I like to cook. I am 100% Italian through and through. I like to cook and I like to watch people eat what I cook. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm probably most known for soup. My, my office staff that I often uh, surprise with a large pot of soup occasionally um, and some of my own family members refer to me as kind of the soup Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and that's, that's how I show people. I love them. I feed them, you know, that's, that's how it works. And that's how I feel about the families I serve there. Many of them, I think feel maybe a bit undernourished, mm -hmm. that's um, good correlation. A, little, um, a little hungry for knowledge, a little hungry for hope, um, a little hungry for fuel. They're tired, the families that we serve and, and with good reason, you know, they're, um, they're, they're vigilant. They are um, worried. They're, t they're tired just because they're moms, let alone moms of kids with special needs. So uh, my goal is to kind of feed them the, the knowledge soup <laughs> right. um, and uh, the love and support soup, if you will, uh, to kind of warm them and nourish them so they can get up every day and face the day with, with hope that they may not have had when they went to bed the night before. Right. Oh, that's awesome. 
Um, <laughs> you know, I myself being a sociologist way back, you know, looking at the the life of people and just loving and embracing that. I love uh, music, everything about mm. music, playing music, um, you know, for others to enjoy. I've been a DJ for over 20 years, which is so impossible to, to hear me say that. Um, <laughs> but just <laughs> like I like people, I like to watch people celebrate life. And there's no better way to do that than through music. Mm-hmm. And we share a love of the arts too. We've been on productions, you know, that we've yes. uh, helped put together and just have fun and laugh. Laughing to me is the best medicine ever. Um, yes. And so it is fun. I always say about theater and art that um, when you personify, you know, a character, it's, it's always fun to be somebody else for a while. Mm-hmm. I know Lynette. And you know Rich, but when Rich and Lynette are somebody else for a while, interesting things happen. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of for fun. Sure. <laughs> well, thanks for sharing with some of our guests today. We're going to go ahead and get moving to our message for today. As we head into the meat and potatoes of what we're here for today, um, Lynette, I'm going to ask you, what is the success approach? Mm. The success approach is an education and treatment model designed specifically for people with autism. And when we say education and treatment model, we sometimes just combine those ideas and call it an intervention model. So the success approach is an intervention model designed for people with autism that looks at their care through the eyes of seven different theories. And these seven different theories come from either occupational therapy, speech therapy, psychology, or special ed. So when we think about that transdisciplinary team of OT speech, special ed, psychology, and add a a parent there for a nice well-rounded team, we really see that that transdisciplinary spirit representing all those different disciplines comes to fruition for the child. And as a result, their care is very holistic. That's like the best way to describe it is holistic, you know, really looking at the, the best pieces of all to evaluate and bringing in all that, that team atmosphere to it mm-hmm. um, for the parent. That's, that's an, a pretty amazing approach. So that's where this concept of the success approach came from. How did you develop it over time? Well, what's interesting is when we opened in uh, 1995, because we just celebrated our 25th year, um, we were an outpatient model, Rich, which means that parents would bring their kids for maybe an hour of OT or an hour of speech or a half hour of tutoring, that sort of thing. Um, And the idea that more was better came from a summer camp that we started originally. And parents said, please have our kid for summer. We really need to have the continuity of this, of programming. These kids can't be off without school. So we said, okay, why don't we do an eight week summer camp, which made them very happy because that's a nice long stint. And we would do five hours a day. And parents were saying that their kids got better in an eight-week summer program, then they may have progressed over th- the course of three years in their current program. And we were kind of shocked by that. I mean, we were outpatient-focused, so we didn't really think too much about more intensive care, but because it was summer, we took advantage of access to the child. 
And we started paying attention to parents because so many were saying, this is amazing. Can you please go teach whatever you're doing to the people who have them all year round? And to me, because we want more for our kids and this clearly is working. So the idea of a, of a treatment model, intervention model, that's full day for those who can use it that way came because of experience. We didn't see it coming. We thought it was just going to be a great way to occupy the kids. And it makes sense that more is better as long as it's done well, because <laughs> more of the wrong thing isn't always so good, is right. it? Absolutely. And so we started saying, well, maybe we need to provide fuller day programming. And that's where the treatment model, the day treatment model, which is a, a, a service delivery model where kids can come like a school all day long based on their age, um, really came to be. And it's nice because those activities really do, it helps to bring the best of all of those models together because it's it's not in your face, but it, it can be sprinkled in throughout the activities that does keep them busy. I love that whole learning by doing concept really of what yeah. the, the success approach brings because it's not in your face intense you know, feeling of treatment. It's more of a, this is how to learn with what you're doing and this couldn't be fun. It can be. And that sprinkling you talk about is is another word for cross-training and role-releasing. So if we have multiple people involved with a child, an OT, a speech therapist, a psychologist, for instance, a special ed teacher, um, those people train very well in their disciplines, have a lot of knowledge about that discipline, but they also have knowledge about the child. Mm -hmm. But all the information about the child is helpful. So I would want to suggest the ideas of cross-training and role-releasing so that the actual staff members give other staff members, their fellow staff members, tips of the trade or techniques or methods, or cross-train those individuals so that the child gets what they need no matter who they're with. And that's not the same thing as expecting them to do the therapy or to become the therapist. So a special ed teacher would never be expected to be an occupational therapist. And an OT would never be expected to be a psychologist, for instance. But some of the methods and some of the approaches that we use can be cross-trained and role-released. And a good example of that might be that if I am working with a child on a swing, a nice big platform swing, as we often do in occupational therapy, and I'm moving that child and giving them some balance stimulation or, or what we might call vestibular stimulation, why wouldn't I work on language at the same time? Because the child's motivated and the child's excited. And in fact, the child's alerted, which as an OT is why I am using the swing to get them alerted and engaged. So if I have the potential to stop that swing and help the child work on the word more or go or answer yes when I say, would you like more? Why wouldn't I? Mm -hmm. But I wouldn't do it blindly. I'd have the speech therapist tell me exactly what sound or exactly what word they're working on so I can maximize the child's potential to say those words that are developmentally being targeted by the speech therapist while I'm in OT and vice versa. While that speech therapist is working with a child on those words or sounds or nouns or verbs or whatever it is, it might be beneficial and help that little child's nervous system if the speech therapist does it on a therapy ball so that we have that movement engaging the child's attention systems, or I should say arousal systems. So that's a good example of how 
transdisciplinary cross-training happens. But if I never have access to mm-hmm. that speech therapist as an OT, and the OT doesn't have access to the speech therapist, vice versa, we're not going to have those skill sets. So that's really where cross-training and role-releasing is helpful. And that's the sprinkling of everybody doing things the same way that you're talking about. Absolutely. So what would you say the overall goal of the success approach is? I would say is to change the brain. The goal of the success approach is to change the brain, but not just for the sake of changing the brain. The goal of the success approach is to change the brain because the brain controls everything. It controls learning. It controls behavior. It controls thinking and functioning. So by changing it for the better, in other words, making it process better, making it do its job better, it optimizes the person with autism's ability to function fully, holistically, and have a very enriched and high quality outcome. Right. And to unlock their potential, right? It's to uh, unlock their potential. I really, I really, I really believe that strongly just having seen it in action, um, just really to show them the, the growth potential that that Uh individual has. It's just, it's amazing to watch it in action. And the beautiful thing about that is that when we unlock it, it oftentimes is very natural and normal, that word again, a natural and normal capacity to progress through the developmental stages. In other words, they progress naturally and normally when supported well to progress naturally and normally. We don't need We don't give these things to them and have them do something unusual in human development. We see that they're developing just like other kids do, which I think is important for families to know is possible and is doable. And offer some hope. I really, it really does offer a a glimmer of hope to see that unlocked. That's, it's an, it's an amazing feeling. So Lynette, that sprinkling that, that I refer to as uh, that working together um, and that transdisciplinary team seems kind of easy. Can it be for everyone? Can everyone do it? <laughs> well, um, I guess it does kind of sound easy. I'm helping the speech therapist work on sound. She's helping me work on balance and arousal. Um, I would say that it's easy if the people who are doing it can think very, very intentionally. So sometimes that's a problem. So I would say that the success approach itself is designed for every child, every adult with autism, hands down. But it is not for every professional or every parent necessarily. Um, if, If they struggle with intentionality, if it's difficult for them to Uh, want to understand and want to glean answers or insight, Um, they may not be the kind of person that's going to use it well. So it may not be the best approach or model for them, but it is definitely the best model for children that I have experienced in 33 years um, when it comes to understanding and assessing their ability to learn and progress and then designing the methods that promote that. So it takes a lot of time and patience on, on behalf of the team working with it the does. child. It does. It does. And so that sometimes makes us question where we use it. It's very, very potent. But if we're in a facility where the time and the collaboration and that sprinkling of cross-training and role-releasing isn't well supported, um, then it's it sets it up to fail like any other model. Mm-hmm. You know, we've talked a little bit about this team aspect and how to unlock potential Um, Who do you see as the main players, the main stakeholders in the success approach? 
Well, the child, always the child, starting with that child-centered approach. Um, children, adults have their own ideas about how they want to be, um, what they need, when they need it, under what conditions they feel comfortable and functional and supported. And so we take our lead from the adult or from the child that we're working with. And from there, we discern who should be part of the team to best support what this person needs. It might be occupational therapy. It often is. It might be speech therapy. It often is. Uh, it might be psychology. Or it might be behavioral optometry. It might be neurology. But it always is the family. So the child and family together are this beautiful combination of where our energies go, who, we, who we're focusing on as this transdisciplinary team. That's amazing. So how does, in your purview, the success approach differ from other approaches that you've been a part of? Well, I think one of the words we haven't used yet is an important word called neurodevelopmental model. So neurodevelopment is the key word there. And that is really rich what sets us apart, I think, is we have this transdisciplinary way of using a neurodevelopmental model. And all that really means is we're going to approach that child's development in the normal skill acquisition kind of order that the brain naturally wants to evolve to support. So we would never expect any child to run or to run in a marathon before they can walk. And we wouldn't expect that same child to walk before they could stand. So the normal developmental progression is driven by the brain. We've already said that the brain drives everything. And so if we can get that development to be a little more on par with what we need the child to be able to experience to progress to the next level, for instance, then we can center our energies around that developmental stage and help them to be functional by giving them all that different service, the OT take on that, the speech therapist take on that, whoever's involved. And very individual centered, you know, and I think I love that approach. It's about the individual. It's not something that's cookie cutter. It's, it's something that's very individualized for each person's perspective. Yeah, very individualized. That makes us a, a very unique. Because we're neurodevelopmental, it has to be individualized. Everybody's brain is a little different from the mm -hmm. next person's, and yet there are some very common expectations or milestones of evolutionary-wise that we would expect a child to go through. So what sets us apart is how we approach that individual child comes from all these different perspectives of not just the different disciplines, but those seven theories I talked about. There's seven different theories that come from OT speech, special ed, and psych that together constitute the success approach. So your child might have two or three theories that are really salient in her care, but somebody else's child may have five that are really important in their care. And those are just the theoretical underpinnings or the, the frameworks that we pull from. What we're bringing from that theory, or what we're bringing from those frameworks are the methods, the methods, the individual methods or tactics that come from that theory. And all those methods combined together make a very unique plan that we call critical curriculum. There's a name for the plan in the success approach. It's I called a critical curriculum. 
And that speaks to getting to the heart of the individual to reach their mind, you know, finding out the best of who they are and what they bring mm. to reach mm-hmm. the mind, um, to unlock potential. Like that is just, I love that critical, um, curriculum idea. Yeah. We often say that the critical curriculum helps us to reach and then teach the child. Reach and teach. And that's what it's about. It's not a sit and get style. And in education, we, we tend to move towards the sit and get approach to to trying to teach. And really, it's about the, the reach to teach. Yeah. And, you know, the sit and, and get approach that you might come at from an educator standpoint, Rich, in therapy boils down to process versus product. And we're used to in this country, in this point in, in life, in this part of the world of, of, our, of the human existence, and certainly of education, we are all about product, produce this, create this, do this, perform mm-hmm. this, and assess this, and get a score for this, all these things that we're used to under the pressures of an educational model. But when you understand that the product is the outcome. By definition, a product is the outcome Absolutely. of something, right? right? Straight out of math. You have, to, <laughs> you have to understand the process that produces the product. And that's where we live in the success approach. That's where moms and dads find so much relief to understand that, oh, my child's not broken. The processing needs help. That's what it is. Let's treat the processing problem fill the holes, maybe we would say in the child's foundation, so they can process better, and then their product naturally follows. Our challenge for you today is to think about who is on your team. Who are those people? Who are those transdisciplinary team members that constitute the team of the person that you're advocating for? child, adult, yourself, who is the team? And are they using some of those transdisciplinary principles where they're cross-training each other, role-releasing to each other for the sole sake of having great continuity for the person they're serving? So identify those team members and how they're working together. That's good homework for the week. Well, that's going to wrap up our first episode of Connect with Success. Um, Lynette, what are some parting words that you can give us? What are some some takeaways if you had to summarize this episode? Well, I think what we want to take away is that transdisciplinary care and working as a true integrated team is always best for those that we serve. Another takeaway is that neurodevelopmental care Again, the care that is driven by understanding how skill acquisition or development is driven neurologically by the brain is key to best serving children and adults with autism. And I think I want parents to really understand, and I want caretakers and uh, service providers to understand too, that there is so much to be hopeful for when it comes to helping children with special needs and especially autism. There's so much to be hopeful for. We know so much now on how to unleash their true, authentic potential than ever before. That reminds me of the adage of it takes a village, right? Or if you want to win a championship, you have to work on developing your team. And so in both of those instances, it it takes people for us to realize that we're in it together, that we're better together when it Mm -hmm. comes to helping to 
develop a child or develop somebody that has that difference in the way that they learn. Great. We hope that you learned something today to help you on your journey with autism. We'll share more on our next Connect with Success podcast. Until then, expect success. The Success Approach is a registered service mark protected under intellectual property law. Unless otherwise specified, all music, audiovisual, and proprietary content shared in this podcast is property of Autism Productions, LLC, and its sister agency, Integrations Treatment Center. The use of this content is unlawful without the expressed written consent of aforementioned agency. For more information about The Success Approach, please go to our website at www.thesuccessapproach.org.